0: Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to Calling Water today. I'm Linda, and for the next few minutes, we're going to review a passage of scripture, talk about what it means, and draw attention to some things it might call us to do. In today's episode, Where Did You Glean Today?, we're continuing our series on the book of Ruth by examining chapter 2 to find that God always directs our steps to exactly where we're supposed to be. All right, let's get started. Last time in Ruth chapter 1, we learned that a woman named Naomi had left Bethlehem in Judah with her husband and two sons during a time of great famine to the land of Moab where sadly all three men died. Naomi, left with only her daughters-in-law, decides to move back to Judah and urges her daughters-in-law to stay put in their hometown. But one of them, Ruth, vows to follow her mother-in-law not just back to judah but to the grave so this is where we pick up the story in ruth chapter 2. naomi and ruth now had to figure out how they were gonna make ends meet because both of them being widows and ruth being a foreigner they didn't have much social standing but as luck would have it they had arrived in bethlehem just as the barley harvest was beginning. This meant that there was the glimmer of hope that they could go work in a field that belonged to someone else and collect any scraps that were left behind. Because according to Old Testament law, as recorded in Leviticus chapter 19 verses 9 through 10, God's people were instructed as follows. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Built into the law was the command to make provisions for the less fortunate, and guidelines like these acted in favor of people like Naomi and Ruth, who had no other means of survival. So Ruth decides that she would be the one to go out and work to find any field that were following these customs. Now, Ruth chapter 2, verse 3 tells us, So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Now, if you remember from Ruth chapter 1, Elimelech was the name of Naomi's late husband. That meant Boaz was related to Naomi, and the revelation of this fact is going to be the turning point for the rest of the story, which I'll talk about more in just a moment, because so far, Ruth is not privy to this knowledge. As far as we know, she selected a field at random, and it just so happened that it belonged to this distant relative of Naomi. Now, as Ruth is gleaning behind the harvesters in the field, Boaz takes notice of this newcomer. He asks around and quickly learns her backstory. And he develops a special interest in her because of the reports he's been hearing about her. Not just her fierce loyalty to Naomi and her leaving behind her own home and family, but the overseer of Boaz's field gives her a glowing review as well, saying that she had been gleaning and gathering all day, nonstop, except for a short rest in the shelter. So it seems overall that Boaz is impressed with Ruth. So this is what he says to her in verses 8 through 9. My daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women." I have told the men not to lay a hand on you, and whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. Ruth had left Naomi that morning, hoping that someone would look kindly on her, but this gesture from Boaz was above and beyond what she had expected. As a distinct outcast, she could not have imagined anyone treating her with this much generosity. She had expected to be treated poorly and to have to battle through unfavorable and unsavory conditions to collect mere scraps. But Boaz demonstrates a particular kindness that she felt she didn't deserve. Later in the chapter, Boaz instructs his workers to even pull from the grain they've collected for themselves and lay them out for Ruth to pick up. And not only is Boaz offering her a place to glean the food that she needs, he's offering protection as well. So later that evening, Ruth returns home to Naomi with an abundance of grain. At this, Naomi asks her in verse 19, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Now, can you imagine how worried Naomi might have been all day? She had no choice but to send Ruth out to the fields, but the odds of her being successful were slim. Because presumably, Ruth would not be the only one out there gleaning the leftover grain, so it was possible she would reap very little for her efforts all day. Not only that, as an outsider, Ruth was subject to being mistreated or ostracized, and as a woman, she was even more vulnerable, as we could guess from the way Boaz was quick to protect her. And it's a good thing Naomi asks Ruth this question. Where did you glean today? I remember years ago, when I was teaching after-school kids, I would pick them up from school and I would ask the question every grown-up asks kids, right? How was your day? And 100% of the time, the answer they gave me was good, or for variation, fine. No elaboration whatsoever, not even about what made it good. It was always just a routine, automated social exchange. And after a while, I got tired of getting these non-committal answers, so I started asking more probing questions like, which class was the most fun for you today, or what book are you reading in English right now? Or even something with an easy answer like, what did you eat for lunch today? These are questions I still employ, by the way, with my own kids. Now, once they gave me an answer that was more concrete, it gave me more content to grab onto to continue a conversation with them, which let's face it, they probably didn't want, but it was important to me anyway. So Naomi is inquisitive when Ruth comes home. She doesn't just ask how her day went. She asks specifically, where did you clean? Where did you work? And as soon as Naomi sees the plentiful harvest Ruth brings in and then learns that the owner of the field was Boaz, Naomi's bitterness and hopelessness from chapter one begin to slowly erode away. She says in verse 20, the Lord bless him, she's talking about Boaz, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative, he is one of our guardian redeemers. The text doesn't tell us how well Naomi knew Boaz, but she knew enough about him to know he was a respected and trustworthy member of the community, and more importantly, her husband's clan. As such, he was in a unique position to be their guardian redeemer, which is someone who can help restore Elimelech's estate and lineage. And we'll see exactly how Naomi intended to play this out when we dive into chapter three in our next episode. But for now, as we look at these cascading set of happy coincidences in Ruth's story up to now, what do you feel called to do? Me personally, I'm called to pause and thank God each time I come across something I think is mere coincidence. A saying I've liked for a long time, you might have heard this one, is A coincidence is a miracle in which God prefers to remain anonymous. A coincidence is a miracle in which God prefers to remain anonymous. Sometimes Things just fall into place in our lives in a way that feels like something between dumb luck and destiny. But in those moments, however small, even if it's just getting the ideal parking spot at a busy shopping center, we can pause and be thankful that God's plans for us are constantly in motion. Now, this is not to say that we don't have any agency of our own. Of course we do. Our entire existence is predicated on the fact that God gave us the freedom to make our own choices. But when we are finally attuned to the spirits leading in our lives, the choices we make align perfectly with God's plans for us, which far exceeds anything we could ever plan for ourselves. Because Ruth and Naomi didn't plan any of this up to now, they came to Bethlehem probably not at all sure where their next meal would be coming from. And yet, where did Ruth glean today? Coincidentally, she was out looking for work just as the barley harvest was beginning and the fields were plentiful. Coincidentally, Ruth found a field belonging to a kind and generous owner. And coincidentally, that owner was a relative of Naomi, which would have great significance for their future. Even in the moments when hope was nowhere in sight, through these little coincidences, God was instilling little sparklets of hope in Naomi and Ruth. I mean, even the fact that Naomi and Ruth crossed paths at all is divine providence. Coincidence? I think not. So take a moment to reflect on your own life so far. For most, if not all of us, our lives did not exactly pan out the way we'd planned. We probably didn't get the school, career, person, or physique of our dreams. Maybe not yet. Maybe even now some of us are dealing with the frustration that things just aren't shaping up the way we'd like. But if we learned anything today, it's that even in those kinds of circumstances where nothing seems to be going right, God is watching over us and gently nudging us in the ways that are right and good. Knowing this, what can we do? Well, if we follow the example of Ruth, we need to be persistent and patient. We need to go out there and do the work diligently, all the while maintaining our integrity and faith. Boaz didn't favor Ruth because she was a pretty face. Actually, we don't know. The text doesn't really say. Or because she called in a bunch of favors. She remained faithful to what she had set out to do and trusted God with the outcome. And because of that, Boaz is going to become a part of this solution. So ask yourself this question, the question that Naomi asked Ruth, where did you glean today? Meaning, where did I invest my time and efforts today? Sometimes it's at a job we don't particularly like. Sometimes it's with people we don't really gel with. At times, it's in a place of heartache or serious illness. Other times, it's somewhere completely foreign and unwelcoming. A lot of times, it's nowhere significant at all. Even so, get in the habit of thanking God for every small thing that does go right. Because God truly is in those moments. You know, I don't like it when people say everything happens for a reason because some things that happen have no rhyme or reason whatsoever, not in our understanding anyway. So maybe it's better to say everything happens for a season. And sometimes those seasons are productive and rewarding, and other times those seasons are lethargic and aimless. But regardless of what happens, Be patient and wait for those glimmers of hope because they will come. The seasons of feeling lost or hopeless will pass as you keep moving forward and you ask God to direct your steps. Because as you do, wherever you glean today might be the starting place of something big and unimaginably good. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are a God who provides, but it's not always what or when we'd expect. But whether we're in a place of stability or confusion and hopelessness, you are there, just out of sight, guiding us to only what is best, even if it doesn't feel like it at times. So thank you, God, for All the happy little coincidences we incur on a daily basis that remind us of your love and faithfulness. Give us persevering hearts to keep gleaning, to keep at the things you've called us to do regardless of our circumstances, and to trust that ultimately you will pull through and pull us through. Whatever season each of us are in today, we have faith in your big picture for us.